this morning, and uh, we're going to look at several verses in our thought, but for uh, our text verse, we'll just read it, and then we'll look at these other verses throughout our thought this morning. Verse number 10, very uh, familiar passage of Scripture, if you've been in church any length of time. The Bible says, now when Daniel knew that the writing was signed, he went to his house, and his window being open in his chamber towards Jerusalem, he kneeled. Uh, he was upon his kneeled upon his knees three times a day and prayed, and gave thanks before the Lord as he did aforetime. You may be seated. We'll end our reading there this morning. You know, the Bible is a great book, a unique book, a wonderful book, isn't it? Thank Lord we have the preserved Word of God. We don't just have a Bible, but we have God's Word. Um, there's a lot of books out there that's labeled Bibles, but we know that um, in the King James Bible, it's the, the authorized version of the Lord. We believe it to be inspired, preserved, and uh, for God's people. And uh, I love the Bible. I'm sure you do as well. But I want us to look this morning. There are several windows in the Bible. And I have a little series. I'm sure many preachers do about those windows. Of course, I want, he said I get out, don't get out before 12 is not normal. I won't preach all the series. So you don't have to worry about that. But uh, I do look at Noah's window. That's a window of destruction. And you look at Rahab's window, or window of deliverance. And then Elisha called the king over there and gave him a window of decision. And, uh, of course, Eutychus's window, the window of distraction. There are several windows throughout the Bible, but one of the more notorious ones is in our text verse this morning. His windows being open. He prayed three times a day, that window of devotion. Daniel is uh, the thought of this chapter here, his prominence and position. He's been elevated, and uh, because of this elevation, you'll find that uh, he's uh, labeled and marked, and he's hated for not only his devotion to the Lord, but also because his position. And whenever you get in a position of power, there's always going to be envy uh, towards someone that's in leadership. And, uh, you know, we ought to guard ourselves against that. God has a place for everybody to serve, doesn't he? Some people have to be in what our nature would call prominent places. And then some, as our human categorizing and placing people, would not be in a prominent place. But can I just say this morning that any service for the Lord is uh, prominent and special. Nobody has a bigger place to serve in God's uh, category. They're all servants of the Lord. So Daniel is a place of prominence. We, uh, prominence in verse 2, he talks about that he was the uh, preferred above all the president, uh, presidents in verse 3. And he was wanting to do what was right, and because of that and his place of prominence, he was, um, he was, he was a marked man. I want to give you five things this morning about Daniel's 
praying and his devotion. Notice, if you will, first of all, the foundation for his praying. Daniel had a reason that he prayed. There was a foundation of his praying. And let's look at that. In verse number 3, notice one of the reasons is because what I would call he had a favorable spirit. Look what it said in verse 3. Daniel was preferred above the presidents and princes because of an excellent spirit was found in him. That word excellent simply means a, uh, being of great virtue or worth. There was something about Daniel, his spirit, that stood out. You notice something about Daniel. He was not mean-spirited. He was not of a bitter spirit. Matter of fact, when you go back to chapter 1 of the book of Daniel, you'll find that God said he was uh, favor and tender love with the princes. God placed him in that because he was of a favorable spirit, an excellent spirit. The Bible said in our text verse, when Daniel knew that the writing was signed, what he did, it goes on preceding what Daniel did. But you know, I believe just as noteworthy of what he did is what he did not do. What did Daniel not do when he knew that they had a writing against him? When they knew that he made a law against him, it was, it was crafted just to entrap Daniel. That was the motivation. But the motivation wasn't presented to the king like that, was it? The king was presented it this way. King, you are the best. You are highly elevated above anybody else, and we believe that if anybody asks any petition of anybody else besides you, why, let's throw him over yonder where the lines are. Well, the king being so cocky and so, so uh, uh, arrogant, said, well, that sounds pretty good. I believe I'll sign that, and I, I believe I'll give you my ring to seal that. Now Daniel knew that was their motivation. But notice what Daniel did not do. He was preferred by the king above anybody else in the kingdom. Daniel did not go to the king and show them, show him their evil motive. He did not say, King, let me say to you the truth. These men are, are deceiving you. These men are, are lying to you. They're not concerned about you and... They're not concerned about anybody asking petition. They're only concerned about entrapping me. And I'm telling you what, I'm going to fight fire with fire. I'm going to stand up for myself. I'm going to defend myself. Daniel didn't do that because he had a favorable spirit. Now I tell you something, it's, it's awful hard in our nature not to defend ourselves when someone accuses us of something wrong. I understand there is a time when you have to say, I did not, or I, he's lying. I understand that. Don't, don't scrutinize me so tightly. I, but I will say this. It's a whole lot better when God does the defending. You know, because He does it so adequately. He does it so uh, precisely. He, he, doesn't, uh, he doesn't miss anything. And Daniel had a favorable spirit. What else was the foundation of his praying? Not only was he had a favorable spirit, but Daniel was also a faithful servant. 
In verse number 4, the Bible said, The presidents and princes sought the fine occasion against Daniel, but going down to the end of that verse, but they couldn't because he was a faithful, neither was there any error or fault found in him. He was a faithful servant. You have to look at Daniel's entire life through the Scripture from a young man when he said, I will not eat of these things from the king's table all the way to where Belteshazzar promised him all the kingdom. If he could read that writing on the wall from the beginning near the end of Daniel's life, there's one thing that stands tall in Daniel's uh, character was that he was faithful. He never bowed a knee to the world's persuasion. He never walked away from God's order. Daniel never turned a deaf ear to God's commands. He was faithful when everyone else seemed to go away from the things of God. Daniel stood tall and true and was a faithful servant. He was a faithful. Matter of fact, if you read the book of Ezekiel, God is quietly disturbed with the children of Israel. And Ezekiel, the prophet God said, I wouldn't save these people if Noah and Job and Daniel prayed for them. God elevated Daniel into a category of just three men that obviously the Lord really respected their character and their what we would call Christianity. He heard their prayers and he knew their character. Daniel was a faithful servant. You know the Bible does say it is required of a steward that a man be found faithful. You know we're in a crowd this morning and I'm sure there are some great talented people here. There's some that can play the instruments. We've already heard some do that this morning. There's some that can sing good. We heard that this morning. Uh, there's some that have a great uh, personality. I mean, they can just witness and talk to people about church. They're just an extrovert, if that's the right way to say it. I mean, there's some that they, they can do craftsman stuff and work with their hands. There's some that are highly educated. I mean, there's different talents in our midst this morning. And then there's some that don't have talents, not like others do. But they have talents that may not be recognized by uh, the crowd. But I'm going to tell you this morning, there's one thing that every one of us have the capability of doing. We may not all be able to sing in the choir. We may not all be able to play the instrument. We may not all be able to teach a class and, and watch the nursery and do all other things. But I'm telling you, everybody here this morning is able to be faithful. You can and I can be faithful. God give us a Christianity in the world we live in where faithfulness is a dying breed amongst the whole scope of humanity. God give us some Christians that will dig down deeper in their soul and will say, let come what may, I'm going to be faithful to God and His work. And His word. He was a faithful servant, wasn't he? He was a favorable spirited man. Boy, but listen, in verse 5, Daniel was a follower of the Scriptures. The Bible said these men, they sought the fine occasion against him, couldn't ex Then they said this amongst themselves, we can't find any fault unless we find it against him. What? In verse 5, the end of it, concerning the law of his God. You know what they were saying? 
This terminology is used amongst certain crowds. I believe it is applicable to any Christian, but he's a Bible believer. He's a Bible thumper. He's a old fashioned, he just believes it from cover to cover. We can't find nothing against him unless you look at the laws of God and the Word of God. He's going to adhere to those things. And again, that's a quality that stood out in Daniel's life. He always sought to obey the Word of God. When Daniel had been enticed with with, uh, rewards, when Daniel had been offered social preference, when he'd been offered position and power, when he'd been offered God and uh, gold and gifts, nothing could curve him from obeying the Word of God. All of these trinkets, all of these enticements, all of these uh, uh, things that was offered to Daniel never caused him to compromise against the Word of God. He lived his life not concerned about popularity, not concerned about what's trendy, not concerned about what's socially accepted, not concerned about what others will prefer, but he lived his life on a foundation of God's Word. That's why he did what he did. That's why he abstained from what he abstained from. That's why he uh, lived the life in which the order he lived it was not because the preacher said, was not because the denomination said, was not because the brethren liked it, was not because everybody else was doing it. Daniel lived that way because God's Word said to do it. And he followed that Word. I'm going to tell you, we need that today, don't we? I need that in my life, and I'm persuaded that every Christian needs that in their life. A foundation to follow the Scripture. So, not only do we see the foundation of his praying, but secondly, notice the frictions to his praying. Boy, wouldn't it be nice if he could have just been a great man of God and prayed and lived for the Lord, and everybody gave him two thumbs up. Wouldn't that be good? Everybody gave him my dad a boy and pat on the back. Nobody cared. Nobody was upset about it. No one was offended. None of the senators tried to pass laws against it. None of the governors tried to stop them from going to church. Amen. I mean, they were just, uh, they didn't give him any friction. Well, hey, this ain't new, buddy. They've been doing this a long time. The frictions do his pray. Look how they searched his life. In verse 4, they sought to find. I mean, they searched Daniel's life. They began to look at all the facets of Daniel's life as well as Daniel's past. They begin to try, I would imagine, to dig up something on him. They begin to look at all of his uh, leadership from the many years that he had served. See, Daniel in this time in his life, he's uh, approximately 80 or 90 years old. He's not a young whoopersnapper. So they had a lot of things to look at because Daniel was elevated as a young man, 15, 16, 17 approximately. He was elevated above others all during his youth, and he stayed in that position. So they had a lot of things to search, and boy, believe it, they did. They looked for skeletons in his closet. 
They couldn't uncover any secret. So they searched his life and then what I would call they scrutinized his character. Scrutinize simply means to examine or examine critically. So they scrutinized Daniel. In other words, they begin to look at his habits. They begin to muse over his his uh, reactions. They 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 looked at his uh, probably his financial dealings. They looked at the laws and legislation that Daniel had been a part of passing and enacting. In other words, if it was today, they would have had a Russia investigation. They, they would have had uh, Daniel come before the Senate and they would have called all of these people up there and asked it, who heard the phone call? Amen. They did all of that. But you know what? Nobody could find any occasion. Isn't that something? Isn't that great? Isn't that a great testimony? He never cussed on the job. I can't live up to this one. He never cut nobody off in traffic and got mad at him. I, well, I wish I could get there, don't you? I, mean, I drove almost four hours to get here. You know, I, well, it was Sunday morning. It's usually okay on Sunday morning. I went through Nashville. Didn't even have to confess any sin or at all about my driving anyway. I'm just saying, wouldn't it be nice if you and I would get to that point in our life? Oh, I know we're not sinless. We should strive to be as sinless as we can be. We, we, anyway, the frictions to us pray. And then, this is our main thought this morning, is the function of His praying. We're talking about the window of devotion, and I want us to, I want us to just really pull out some things in our text verse. Notice, Five subpoints, five thoughts about the function of his praying. Notice first of all, Daniel prayed knowingly. Now, when Daniel knew, can you imagine when Daniel heard what law had been passed, what the king had done, what the the king had given his approval to these wicked. Demo- uh, uh, legislators, can you imagine what Daniel must have thought? Uh, can you imagine? It, it, uh, I would imagine it, it weighed on him. Hey, let's not think Daniel was uh, some reincarnation. I mean, Daniel was a human being. Daniel knew that, he, I would imagine he had witnessed lions killing victims in the past. Hey, who knows? He may have sent its people to the den where the lions were. He may have seen those men. So he knew what was waiting for him. He knew there was lions, hungry lions, no doubt. Well, I would imagine when he walked up the steps to his house, it felt like him walking up the steps to the gallows. Listen, he prayed knowingly. I wonder this morning, we have faced so little opposition. I know us as spoiled, religious, Christian, American people, we think that we face such great opposition in the past days. And I have to say, we lived in a country, thank the dear Lord, where we have not faced much opposition, so any little bit of opposition overwhelms us. 
And I'm with you. I'm not downplaying it at all. I I personally believe that it's just the beginning. It's just a test run, but that's just me. Who knows? But I would wonder this morning, who would have drove up on the parking lot if we knew that if we came into the church that we would be hauled off in the back of a sheriff or police car? Who would have come this morning? I, I wonder who would pray over their meal in public if they knew that there would be some laws broken who would read our who would read our bibles if if we knew that if we read them and taught our children now i don't want to get off track but there's coming today i'm not a prophet but i i i truly believe there's coming a day when teaching, I have three children, 15, 12, and 9, I believe. It may not while they're being raised, but there is coming a day. If not next year or the year before, a uh, year after, there is coming a day that they're going to, the, 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 the leaders of our world and our nation is going to look at this Bible and certain elements of this Bible as being whatever they'll make up a term calling it. Hate speech is one they use now. They may come up with a new term that will make it more popular. I don't know. Saying if you teach your children certain truths from that book, that you are committing a crime against humanity, and therefore we are legislating certain things that cannot be taught to children. You mark it down, that day will come. But Daniel prayed knowingly. But then secondly, notice, when Daniel knew that was the writing was signed, he went into his house and his windows, what does it say? Being open. Daniel prayed openly. Daniel is open with his faith. He is not hiding his faith. He's not an undercover, undercover agent. He's not a secret saint. He's not a camouflaged Christian. But he prayed openly. Now Daniel could have said this, eight but 30 days. Right? 30 days. We can count, can't we? 30 days. There's not but 30 days. I'll tell you what I'll do. Hey, let's be wise as serpents and harmless as doves. Right? We agree with that. I tell you what, God can hear me down in the basement as good as He can in this room. And who, hey, listen, I'm better off alive for the Lord than I am dead. So I tell you what I'll do. I'll not pray in this little chapel that I have, and I'll not open these windows, I'll keep them closed. I'll find another room in the house, and I'll pray. Maybe I'll add another time. I'll pray four times a day. I'll pray in the cellar, in the basement. I'll pray up in the attic in seclusion. In other words, he could have said, I'll live like the world out in public, then come home, close the doors, and live like a Christian. In other words, I'll live like a Christian on Sunday morning. I'll dress like a Christian on Sunday morning. I'll talk like a Christian on Sunday morning. I'll sing songs like a Christian does on Sunday morning. And I'll have friends that are Christians on Sunday. But come Monday, I'm changing my songs. 
I'm changing my clothes. I'm changing my friends. I'm changing my language. And I'm changing my duties and my habits. And I'm going to live like all the other Babylonians live. I'll keep my Christianity inside my home. Not Daniel. Daniel prayed openly. You know, there's something about an open faith. God demands an open faith. You think about the, the, the Bible and the story. Just the little, let's just look at a couple little snippets of, 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 of faith being open. Think about the earlier days when the children of Israel were in Egypt and the nine plagues had come and then the tenth plague was about to come. Uh, chapter 14 in the book of Exodus, God says to them, now this is going to be a night above all nights. You'll never forget about this. Uh, I tell you what I want you to do. Get all your family in the house and get a lamb, a spotless lamb, a, a, a lamb that you put aside and I want you to kill that lamb and I want you to take the blood of that lamb and go inside the house and shut the door and put the blood on the inside of the house so nobody can see it. I don't think that's what he said. What did he do? He said, I want you to put that blood on the outside. And those Egyptians are going to come by and they're going to see you putting that blood on the outside. Everybody that comes by your house is going to see you putting the blood. That God need to know where His children are. That He need a GPS. That He need a mark. Was that blood to inform the death angel where God's peoples were? No, He didn't need any help. He wanted them to be open with their faith and let the world see that, hey, inside this home is Christians, if you will. He said, uh, Moses said, who's on the Lord's side? In Exodus chapter 32, the Lord even said uh, in Matthew 10, He said, if thou shalt deny me before men, even the plan of salvation, if you want to use that terminology in Romans 10, He said, if thou shalt confess with thy mouth. Saying there's something about open faith. Daniel prayed openly. Daniel prayed knowingly. Let me, let me speed along. Daniel prayed biblically. Now when Daniel knew that the writing was signed, he went into his house, his windows being open in his chamber, the next two words, toward Jerusalem. See, there's something significant about this prayer closet that faces Jerusalem. Daniel opens those windows and he looks out at that. He can't see it, but it's in that direction towards that holy city, that city that had been, had, had been uh, ruined, that city that had been conquered for nearly 70 years. It had been silent. Been, uh, God's place was just overrun by the enemy. And Daniel looked toward that place and he began to pray. Daniel could have opened his windows toward the marketplace and he could have looked at the beautiful uh, things of Babylon. He could have looked at all of the architect of the, uh, of the world, but Daniel knew what the Bible said. You see, the Bible said in 1 Kings, if you remember when Solomon dedicated the temple, he prayed a lengthy prayer. And he said in verse chapter number 8, in verse 46, I'll read a few verses. 
He says in his prayer, If they have sinned, if thy, if thy people sin against thee, he said, For there is none that sinneth not, and thou be angry and deliver them into the hands of their enemies, so they carried away captive into the land of their enemy. That's what happened to Daniel, isn't it? If, Lord, he says, when they return to thee and pray toward this land and this city, he goes on later to say, and this house which I have built. You see, Daniel prayed according to the word of God. He prayed biblically. I'm not going to get on that thought, but I'm going to tell you we can get our prayers answered if we pray biblically. We pray according to the Word of God. The Bible said this, uh, Seek ye first the kingdom of God, and all these things shall be added unto you. It also said, No good thing will he withhold from them that walk uprightly. That's not a get-rich-quick scheme. You see, when a man uh, is walking rightly, he's not going to want anything that God necessarily don't want him to want. So anyway... He prayed biblically. He prayed openly. He prayed knowingly. The Bible said, And when Daniel knew that the writing was signed with his in, in his house, he went into his house, his windows being open towards Jerusalem, he kneeled upon his knees three times a day. Daniel prayed faithfully. He kneeled upon his knees three times a day. We've already looked at the fact that Daniel prayed openly. He did not cut down his praying. Lord, I'll just pray one time a day while everybody's asleep. I'll pray a little longer than I normally do so nobody will see. Daniel prayed faithfully. You follow uh, Psalms. He mentions about evening, morning, and noon while I pray. Daniel prayed faithfully. I would say according to what the Word of God said. Notice Daniel didn't tone down his praying. He, he didn't back off of his praying, but he prayed faithfully. It reminds me of Nehemiah when he was confronted by uh, uh, Samballot and Tobiah. They, he said in chapter 6, Did such a man as I flee? Nehemiah was going to be faithful. You see, if every man uh, uh, would cower down, if every man would, would quit praying, if every man would, would uh, uh, stop following the Word of God, Daniel is going to be faithful. Amen. You see, Daniel is not looking at everyone else's fervency to dictate to him what kind of Christian he's going to be. doesn't matter to him if it's a... If it's the going thing to be a Bible-believing King James-only Baptist, or if he's in the minority of all minorities, he's still going to believe the Word of God. He's going to be faithful. He's not doing it because people are applauding. He's not doing that because he's uh, trying to appease. He's doing that because he's faithful. I like what one writer said about these verse, these verses, this verse here talking in regards to Daniel's faithfulness. Listen what he says. He said his faithfulness is just like the sun rises and shines, whether men notice it or not. Just like the sea rolls in majestic tranquility, whether men observe it or not. Just like these mighty mountain peaks rear their heads in snowy grandeur up to the azure sky where men see them or not. Just like the stars in their orbits swing around these suns in their universes, 
whether men chart their courses or not. Ah, isn't that a great comparison? That this morning the sun was going to rise, whether we were sleeping in bed to see it, or whether we was up waiting for it. It's faithful to rise. That's the type of faithfulness Daniel had. He had the type of faithfulness that it didn't matter what everybody else was doing. He was going to obey the Word of God and do what God told him to do. Faithful, faithful, faithful. He prayed faithfully, openly, knowingly. Ah, he prayed biblically. And I'm not going to linger on this, though in our day we need to. Says he paid towards prayed towards Jerusalem, kneeling upon his knees three times a day, prayed, and then it says, and gave thanks. He prayed thankfully. We live in a day of ingratitude, don't we? I have a hard time with that. I hold the door open for somebody. I don't do it to get it, but I expect somebody to say thank you. Sometimes when they don't, I just say it for them vocally. We ought to be a thankful people. We as God's people, now I see some young generation in here. I'm a young man, praise the Lord. But I see some younger than I am in here. I'm going to tell you young people, your generation, I hate saying that, it makes me feel like my dad. You say, I used to think everybody's old and, and I was young, but that changes. Age is relative, isn't it? I'm going to tell you something about this generation going up today. There is no gratitude. One of, the, one of the noticeable marks that Paul told Timothy when he told him to keep his eye open for the last days, he wasn't just writing that for Timothy, by the way. He's writing that for us. They're going to be what? Unthankful. Unthankful. And we live in a world today that is unthankful, young people and everybody else in here. Let's not be an ungrateful people. Why should we be so grateful? Why should we be thankful? Because we got everything, and we don't deserve anything. We don't deserve health, eyes, legs, ears, taste buds. If you've had the virus, you know how important that is. I've had friends that have had it, and they lost their taste. Uh, I'm telling you, uh, we don't deserve uh, the Word of God. We don't deserve by no means salvation. We don't deserve a relationship with a holy, righteous God. We don't deserve to be able to fall on our face when we're in great distress and cry out to Him and say, Lord, help, and there come a peace that nobody can give. We don't deserve the Holy Spirit inside of us that comforts us and that guides us. We don't deserve that peace when this whole world's gone crazy that you and I can lay down at night and it doesn't matter what goes on. We know that everything's in control. We don't deserve that. So that should cause every one of us to be thankful. The fruit of his praying. His praying produced fruit. You look down in verse 22 and verse, you'll find the king didn't sleep at night in the palace and Daniel slept all night in the den. And he says to Daniel, he wakes up in the morning, runs down yonder and said, Daniel, you still living? He said, I am. He said, my king and uh, my God, O king, live forever. My God hath sent his angel and shut the lion's mouths and they have not hurt me for as much as before me innocence found in me. Also for the old king, I have done no hurt. The fruit of his praying is he experienced the presence of God. God had sent his angel. Daniel wasn't alone in that den, was he? 
they only threw they threw three men in the fiery furnace and four was in. They threw one man in the den and two was in there. God was in there. He said the Lord hath sent His angel. His angel. Thank God uh, you can't experience Him in any greater way than when you need Him most. Amen. Experience the presence of God. He witnessed the power of God. He shut the lion's mouths. He witnessed the power. I'm telling you, I believe those lions wanted to hurt him and eat him. I don't believe they, I don't believe, well, according to the way he worded it, I believe they, they wanted to eat him, but God put heaven by scripts on him. You think gorilla tape can hold anything. You let God put his hand around a jaw and that'll keep it, that'll keep it tight. Old flex seal can't seal that good. He shut the lion's mouth. You know, people, we go around trying to shut everybody else's mouth. Well, I'm going to tell that man right there, I'm going to tell that woman right there, shut her mouth. It's a whole lot better when God shuts their mouth. I mean, if God can shut a lion's mouth, surely He can shut a big mouth gossip. Amen? I'm not going to get off on that. He shut the lion's mouth. He witnessed the power of God. He witnessed the presence of God. And He witnessed, as I've already alluded to, the protection of God. Look how God protected him. You see, he not only protected him from the lions, but look what, how Daniel ends that verse. As before him, that's God, innocent was, innocence was found in me. As also before thee, O king, have I done no hurt. You know what Daniel's saying? King, they've been lying to you. I've not tried to do anything against you. God vindicated Daniel's character. And you know how he vindicated it in a great way? He put him through the den. Sometimes God will put us through the den in order to vindicate what righteousness He's put inside of you and me. Sometimes we have to go through the, the stinking, dark, damp dungeons, but God will vindicate the righteous. Let's read our text again, and let me highlight one thought. Now when Daniel knew that the writing was signed, he went to his house, his windows being open in his chamber toward Jerusalem. He kneeled upon his knees three times a day and prayed and gave thanks before his God. And this is what I want to conclude with. As he did aforetime. As he did aforetime. I've already mentioned this scripture in Psalms. As for me, I will call upon, the, upon God. The Lord shall save me. Evening, morning, and at noon will I pray and cry aloud. And God will hear my voice. As he did aforetime, where did Daniel learn to pray evening, morning, and at noon? I tell you what, he didn't learn it from his contemporaries that were around him. He, he didn't learn it from the leaders that were leading or along with him. But you see, way back yonder in Jerusalem were two graves of a mama and a daddy. And those parents, that mom and dad, every day, figuratively speaking, Daniel, literally speaking, they figuratively opened that window. They opened a window of devotion to God and said, Now boy, kneel down beside me. I'm going to show you what we are supposed to do. And they opened the window of their devoted life. And when Daniel left that 
land as a young teenage boy. They took him out of God's land, but I'm telling you, all the dazzling glitter of Babylon couldn't blot out the memory, couldn't uh, uproot the seed that had been planted in his heart. And Daniel is an old 90 plus year old man facing the greatest trial of his life. He remembered what he always had done because somebody in his life kept the windows of devotion open and didn't close them when circumstances weren't easy. Didn't close them at all, but they kept the window of devotion open. I'm going to tell you what needs to happen in my life and your life. We need to make sure those windows of devotion don't shut. I don't know. I'm just going to speak off the... Go out on a limb here. There may be some in our midst this morning. You need to go home and open those windows. As a family, as an individual, as a young person, you've let the world and the wind of opposition close those windows. You need to go home and this morning at this altar get you something to prop them windows open Say, I'm not going to let them shut. I'm going to be devoted to God. As for me, as Joshua said, me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. Joshua didn't say that as a young man. He didn't boast in the years he served God. He still said, hey, I've determined even more now than ever. I'm going to serve God. We need our windows of devotion open. Moms and dads, I'm going to tell you in a time where we need some godly homes, it's now. We need people that just uh, just rear their heads back, raise their hands to heaven and say, God, I'm going to keep those windows open. I, I, by the grace of God, I'm going to serve you. I'm not worried about serving you next year. I'm just going to worry about serving you today. I tell you, you serve him today. You won't have to worry about next year. You're serving. Window of devotion. Now, when Daniel knew that the writing was signed, he went up to his house, opened his windows, and prayed as he did aforetime. I'm going to ask you this morning, maybe you're here and there's never been a time in your life that the Lord's ever come into your heart. You've been devoted to everything else. Well, I'm going to tell you the greatest devotion is when Jesus set his face toward Flint, to Jerusalem like a Flint. He went to that cross. You may have heard it sung about, talked about, but he went to the Calvary's cross and gave his life on the cross for your sin. And that sin must be paid for. We cannot live a life without sin being paid for. And that's why all the sin of the world was placed upon him. So a sacrifice was offered for my sin and for yours. Have you ever accepted that? Have you ever asked the Lord to save you? Has there ever been a time in your life where you said, Lord, I'm a sinner and I'm lost? I'm going to tell you this morning, don't matter what you're devoted to, nothing will ever help you until you come and submit yourself to God's Word and accept the responsibility of your sin, saying, Lord, I'm a sinner and I need you to save me. I'm going to tell you, there's no other opportunity to do that than the present. God's never saved anybody tomorrow. He said, behold, now, behold, today, 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 you need to 
ask him to save you. Will you bow your heads in prayer? We're going to have an invitation. I'm not sure all that you do here, but maybe while they come and get a hymn ready. Father, we pray in Jesus' name that the Spirit of God would move and the hearts would be sensitive and you'd help. Lord, I 